0: So one, I brought on incredible advisors onto to Shoppable's advisory board to help open up doors. So, for a little bit of context, Shoppable is a three-sided marketplace. Uh, so something that is incredibly difficult to do, and a lot of you know venture capitalists will will say, "Oh, it's not possible."
1: Hi, welcome to another episode of the Hard to Market podcast. Uh, I'm your host Brian Maddox. With me today, Heather from Shoppable. Welcome. Thanks,
0: Brian. Thanks so much for having me.
1: So, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, you know kind of how you got to where you are and what's up with Shoppable?
0: Yeah. So, oh boy. So I started. I started Shoppable 13 years ago. I'm um, the the founder of the company, and I started it. Um, after having a background in tech, I was previously on the founding team of a digital media company and went through the ropes with another entrepreneur first before I went and started my own. But it was um, at a really great experience learning um, how to build a startup from scratch with. Um, you know, with the serial entrepreneur first. So I went through that experience um, from the time that company was a PowerPoint and there were three, you know, three other people at the company till the point when it was acquired and, you know, and everything along those lines. So I, you know, would say that that was kind of my real life MBA and then gave me the experience and the confidence to uh, be able to, uh, move on from from you know many years in that role to starting shoppable and building out building out this business
1: so when um so let's start from the kind of the beginning how did you get your first yeah. customer with shoppable
0: so great question my first customer um was uh, our launch partner was the wall street journal and um we were very, very fortunate to be able to have to have them as our launch partner. In order to secure that that partnership or any great launch partner, we did a couple things uh, that really changed changed the game for us. So, one, I brought on incredible advisors onto to Shoppable's advisory board to help open up doors. So, for a little bit of context, Shoppable is a three-sided marketplace uh so something that is incredibly difficult to do and a lot of you know venture capitalists will will say oh it's not possible um but uh we are so we had different challenges that that came with how do you you know how we needed to onboard retailers and brands so that we had products to sell through our technology. But then we also needed publisher customers that could utilize the technology on their sites to sell it to the end consumer. So anyway, so we had to we had the challenge of having to to solve both sides of that marketplace. And solved that by building out an incredible advisory board. So one of the advisors we brought on had a very, very extensive background in uh, the publishing space, working with the top publishers in the country. And bringing her on board, she was able to open up doors and help me get meetings and credibility with these top name publishers out of the gate. So we actually almost had another launch partner that also wanted to be our launch partner. They ended up not being able to to move forward in as fast as the wall street journal did, but that's really how we were able to first get our foot, you know, get our foot in the door was through our, our advisory network.
1: So, um, so you networked your way into, uh, into your great first client. How, uh, how are you managing to scale? I mean, are you still using that networking strategy to get, to the the next level as it were
0: yeah the net the networking strategy has worked really well for us on both sides of the marketplace so we also used the advisory board to to help unlock doors at with within our first retail partners so that we had their products to sell within shoppables platform now um part of what we do too Is And just for for context for any listeners, we have shoppable infrastructure technology. So we created the ability to make anything shoppable from websites, ads, videos, mobile apps, um, connected TV, you name it. We have the technology that makes it shoppable. So with with that, we needed to bring on board um, retail partners, too. So for that initial launch with our first customer, we had been able to secure, I think it was like eight retailers or so through our network to be able to, to for for this initial launch. But then the next strategy was once you have, once we had that first customer, they have their own network, too, right? So then we unlock their network. So we worked with each of our customers to have them help onboard brand partners to shoppable system so that they could also sell those products on their website. So they, you know, of course, want to bring on um, their advertisers, brands that they work closely with, unique brands that, you know, have a little cachet to them depending upon who the publisher is. So we worked with them, onboarded their preferred brands and retailers. And then there's a network effect. So for each brand or retailer we onboard, let's say I think around that time is when we started our relationship with Best Buy, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, thirteen years later, we're still working with Best Buy, and you know we're able to sell their products through all of our customers today. And any new customer that comes on board, as long as it makes sense to sell Best Buy products, we can then use them. So we created this network effect where our uh, both our customers and our prod our partners are building upon each other and helping create. The opportunity for more. So, what I mean by that too is that we'll just keep using the Wall Street Journal example because I think it's it's helpful to have one uh, to understand. Hmm. So with the Wall Street Journal, we I think we started with like Neiman Marcus and Saks Fifth Avenue and HarperCollins books and Barnes and Noble and you know, some things like that. Right. And then uh, and then we onboarded Best Buy. And because we onboarded Best Buy, it opens up new categories of customers that we could then work with because anyone that needed to sell needs electronics or, you know, tech products or anything along those lines. Now we suddenly have products that fit fit them, whereas before that relationship, we primarily had luxury goods and books, you know, and um. And anyway, so that's part of, was part of our strategy is is using, um, you know, being able to use those partnerships to help on, we onboard the, the retailers for them. They get the benefit, of course, of immediately using and being able to sell those products. And then there's also a benefit to shoppable long-term in growing that network effect and being able to then be relevant and have the right products to expand our customer base to
1: gotcha so that what was initially kind of a liability for the startup of the business with that three-sided marketplace has now become an asset and you're kind of seesawing back and forth between your uh two different um sort of avenues your marketing avenues to get uh the kind of leverage to to grow is that am i am i capturing that right
0: yeah exactly i love i love how you how you put that
1: okay so when um, when it comes time then to find a new publishing platform, um, it sounds like you're going to have retailers that are going to help you get there uh, a little bit. Um, what what is that? Um, what does that look like in terms of the uh, how you uh, are training your referral partners to engage? Right. So what does that um, what does that look like? Because I think that for our listeners, um, one of the hard parts about getting uh, a strong and effective referral network is the amount of training you have to do along the way to teach people how to bring you up in a conversation so they don't commit you to a um you know a, a price that you can't support or a relationship that you're not interested in
0: yeah that's 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 a great point. One of the things that we've done is created and we wanted to create a way that we could make this process as smooth as possible for both parties, but also, like you said, avoid having our partners or our customers have to say too much or potentially say the wrong thing exactly. <laughs> as as you mentioned too is possible and then they've reset they've they've misset expectations. So part of what we did was create uh, a co-branded um one sheet or PDF of information that, uh, we would we would provide to our publishing partners and have information. It would also kind of explain what the partnership is and why you know why that publisher was referring their advertisers to shoppable and to my business. So that made that process uh, quite a bit easier because it essentially explained what's the partnership, why should they care, what's in it for them um and you know within what's the you know what's the, the the connection back and what's the you know a little bit about what's the, the the onboarding look like and then essentially had the contact information for my team of who the person is that would set up the call explain you know the, the another level deeper of details and then um, handle everything from there and part of it was also we wanted to take we didn't want our customers to feel that lift of onboarding brands and retailers. We want um we wanted to to be able to, you know, for them to call their network, but not have to feel like they had to do all of the explaining yeah, and yeah. the selling, you know, the selling in. So that worked, that worked really well for us. So then we would once we had those conversations, we'd route back to whoever made that introduction, let them know we've now onboarded XYZ brand and they'll be available for for you to start using them.
1: Gotcha. So the one thing that uh, comes up when we talk about things uh, like referral networks as a source for BD um, is that it's very difficult to get those to be repeatable and reliable in terms of growth. So um, I, I don't know uh, kind of how you solve that problem or if you have additional sort of marketing avenues that you're using to grow uh, so I'd like to learn a little bit more about that uh, what what are you doing to add that um, uh, repeatable kind of uh, scalability on demand or, or business development on demand
0: uh, yeah, so to try to make it more, uh, I think, you know, honestly, it, it is a challenge, as, as you said, mm. I think it's a challenge in in a lot of cases. And we do see, um, we see different challenges depending upon the type of type of partner. But in particular, for the, uh, the companies that are already using shoppables technology, we, you know, we tried to set up typically quarterly meetings with them and have it as, you know, have it as an, an agenda item within, within that process. So our customer success team can, can bring that, bring that up as well. And then uh, simultaneously, we have other types of partners that have, are more channel partners with, with Shoppable where they've integrated Shoppable's technology into their platform. And then they're using us to, make their ads shoppable or sorry, not make their ads, make ads shoppable for the advertisers that are running across the platform. And in those cases, you know, those uh, platform partners are regularly onboarding new advertisers. So as their advertisers are coming down the pipe, they're You know, kicking, you know, we have all these Slack channels set up. So they're kicking, you know, messages over to our merchants team so that our merchants team can either confirm, hey, we already had that that merchant or brand onboarded, or we don't. Can you make the introduction? Because they're already having the conversation with with that company. They want to launch the shoppable ad so they can send us the information and make that connection too. So part of it is, I think from our strategy, just to kind of zoom out for a second, part of it is in, um, you know, creating that initial alignment, of course, then it's about making it as easy as possible to have multiple lines of communication and flows for the setup. So, I'm you know, mentioning like the... Co-branded, um, one sheet that we we set up, regular cadence of uh, meetings and touch points where we're staying top of mind because that's also a place where a lot of partnerships fall off as they kind of can forget about you or they just ha- have so many other things that are top of mind. So having that set up as an ease of communication for us, we have a lot of external Slack channels set up with, with partners that make that process, you know, super simple um, and make it easier to get in communication with us and and, and um, vice versa. And that uh, Slack has been, I would say, over the last two years or so maybe i feel like time's flying maybe three years uh a lot more partners have been using that and connecting in guest channels and things and that makes a big difference for um being able to have that communication flow quickly and then being able to benefit from from those referrals
1: yeah so so as a marketing um you know, professional, though, you have uh, you have some challenges, though, with forecasting at that point, I imagine. Right. How are you going to forecast uh, your business growth targets and all that kind of stuff? Um, what are you doing to manage that? What does that look like?
0: So for, to forecast our, our targets based on referrals?
1: Yeah, specifically? exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, for for us, it's a little bit different uh, because the advertiser the i should say the retailer side where we're getting those types of referrals are not necessarily uh, they they tend to not be directly tied to revenue they're indirectly tied so we don't necessarily use that piece we don't really tie that piece to to, to forecasting per person oh, gotcha.
1: yeah gotcha so um the the as a growth engine, right? You've got your referral network and that's, that's, uh, sounds like you've got a really good sort of open line of communications. When, uh, when we talk about the other kind of traditional marketing stuff, um, I imagine that must be weird, uh, for your business, given your target market is, um, on the publisher side, uh, probably a very interesting, what is the job title you would market to in that, in that context?
0: yeah in so we we primarily license the technology to I would say publishers and um brand manufacturers that do not have a direct to consumer business. so job title wise in the um within the publishing space, it can be you know an innovation title. It can be a you know, in the more recent years, there have been people that have e-commerce titles now or um Sometimes it's an affiliate marketing title, things things along those lines. Uh, in some cases, there's kind of a um, uh, head of platform or things like that that are mm. uh, that tend to be uh, also titles that that we're working with. Uh, and then on the consumer package goods side, you know sometimes it's a center of excellence, uh, again, innovation, um, you know, lots of marketing titles, CMO, uh, director of marketing, mm. those types
1: gotcha
0: sometimes brand uh, brand managers too
1: so um, I, I think uh, I think we kind of have a good segue here when we talk about job titles um, so who should reach out to you and how can they learn more about how to get engaged with shoppable
0: yeah so to getting in engaged with shoppable I would say the best place to find us is about dot shoppable com um, or you can just head to shoppablecom but' it'll, it'll get you there uh, we are Shoppable's most active on LinkedIn, I would say, if you're looking for more social. And then to find me, I am um, primarily on Instagram at, at Heather Marie Udo. And Udo is U D O. Um, and yeah, that's the best place to find me directly.
1: Perfect. And um, so as we wrap here, I want to ask kind of the question that we I, I try and ask for uh for everybody, what are the three biggest pickups that you've had in your journey so far? I guess in in founding Shoppable and and helping it grow.
0: Uh, Can you elaborate on the pickups?
1: What are the three things that you learned? uh, Your big takeaways that uh, were kind of the pivotal lessons that you've learned.
0: Yeah, so a lot. I mean, I would say one is just the importance of the early team and making you know making sure that especially your first like your first six hires i would say are the the right people in in the role excellent ex you know expertise in each of those key areas i think that's really going to lay the foundation a second one is to make sure that you surround yourself with um people that have been where you want to go. I think there's so much you can learn as, as, you know, for entrepreneurs, even business leaders, there's, there's just so much that, that we all need to learn. Obviously we're, um, you know, uh, uh, there's just a lot that we need to learn. So being able to surround yourself with people that have been there ahead of you and can help you kind of avoid common pitfalls and things like that, I would say is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, And then uh, the third one, I would say, is the importance of focusing on uh, profit and sales. So, um, you know, a lot of people, especially in more of the tech side of the, the, the community, are really so focused on venture capital and raising the next round and and things like that. Um, You know, and then you get into tougher times in the the economy and suddenly that dries up real quickly. And people, if you haven't focused on profit, you haven't focused on sales, a lot of companies disappear really quickly. So profit solves all problems. (laughs) We'll (laughs) we'll end on that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Heather, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your insight.
0: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, We will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks.